Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Hey, good morning, church. How are you today? Come on, give a clap. So good to see you if you're a guest today. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're with us today. So you see on the screen, Colliding Cultures. That's our series. That's our topic for last week and a couple of weeks. And what we're wanting to do is really just step into the, the, the conversation about the culture and how we live biblical lives in an unbiblical culture. And anytime that there are opposing ideas and opposing philosophies and truths, and they exist in the same place, then inevitably those cultures are going to collide with each other. And in my opinion, I believe the church in many ways has been confused and lacked a proper response to an unbiblical culture. And how do we live in it? And and what do we say about it? And how do we continue to reach people and, and just be a part of culture but not let culture be a part of us and still make a difference with our lives. And so our tagline has been how to stand firm and love well when cultures collide. Now, when I talk about this topic, colliding cultures, some may get a little nervous about that. You may be like, oh, what is he going to talk about? And, and I may talk about some things that are, are, you know, like about culture, but I don't want to do it in a way that puts me in a fight with people. Because I love people. I I want to reach people. I don't want to fight with culture. I don't want to just criticize culture. I want to change culture. I want to help transform culture. And so I'm not here to pick a fight with culture. And and I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover anyway. That's my nature anyway. So I'm I'm a people pleaser. So I certainly don't want to um, fight with people. But listen, I want to help you though, kind of relax a minute. So I, I want you to Maybe you can shake it off because here's how I want to do I want to start with a joke today um, just, to, just to cause you to just relax a little bit. I need you to chill out with me. Bubba is my joke. Bubba and his wife, they live down by the river. And they had a neighbor across the river named Clarence. Well, one day old Bubba and Clarence got into an argument and they were yelling across the river at each other and Finally, old Bubba, he had had enough and he stormed off into his house and he grabbed his camo hat and he told his wife, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go teach that boy some manners. So he was gone for just a few minutes and he came back shaking in fear and his wife said, you know, honey, what's wrong? And old Bubba says, well, I got down to the bridge and I'm going to cross the river to teach that boy some manners. And, but the bridge had this sign and the sign said, Clarence, 10 feet. He said, I knew that old boy was big, but I didn't know he was that big. (laughs) All right. If I wait long enough, Jody will clap. He'll help me. All right. So I'm not a great joke teller. I'm fine with that. Oh, Bubba. You know, the hard part is I have such a an old country accent anyway, and then to try to add a country accent, I don't know what it comes out like, but it's all good. 
So listen, here's the whole thing. We want to learn to stand firm, live for God. I want to, I want to live for God in this culture. I, I want to be my best version of who God has created me to be in a culture that has different philosophies and different ideas. And I want to win people to Christ all at the same time. Last week, Eli began our series, and what a great job he did, by the way. And you can give that a clap, but... He took off in the book of Daniel chapter one, and so I'll be following up with that. My sermon title today, The Heat Is On. The Heat Is On. And that's what the, it feels like when culture is, is pushing us to, to conform or our temptation to compromise. We feel the heat of that. And God has a way for us to live, and he has a, a, a way for us to live that is biblically sound and firm in him. Now, this is nothing new to feel that type of pressure, to feel the heat to conform and compromise. And the story that I'm going to read to you today is out of the book of Daniel. And there was pressure for Daniel and his friends to compromise. And so today I hope to help build within our church body a strength to stand firm when, when there's pressure to compromise. And so I'm going to give you a backstory before I read the verse. So it has context to what we're talking about. And so in Daniel chapter one, Eli began that series last week, teaching out of Daniel one. And at the end of Daniel one, you find that Daniel and his friends were promoted and they, they found new levels of authority in the kingdom of Babylon. Now in chapter two, we find King Nebuchadnezzar again. And the king of Babylon is King Nebuchadnezzar, and he has this dream. Now, you need to understand something about King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the, the baddest dude ever. Like, he was evil personified. He, he had, in his Babylon nation, a desire to conquer other cities and other nations around them and devour them. And, and when he did, he would kill the people, except for he would capture some of the young men so that he could bring them back to Babylon and to indoctrinate these young boys within the culture of Babylon to use them for his service. So he was evil. And when people disagreed with him, he would have them executed. And that's where we have the story about Daniel in the lion's den. And we have the story today that we're going to learn about the three boys that were thrown into a fiery furnace. And, and so this was the evilest man of the day at that time. And he had this dream that God had given him. And it was a prophetic dream for the king to hear and see about the things that were to come. And you'll learn in a minute, the dream was a warning. It was a, an opportunity for the king to, to change his ways. And here's what I like about this as I just get started with that is that, is that God gave the evilest person of that day a dream and an opportunity to change. And what that says to me is that it is God's de desire that, that none would perish and that everyone would have an opportunity to come to repentance and know our Savior. And so I believe it's God's heart to love all people. And as I jump into this, this topic today, I want you to know that God loves people that God wants all people to be saved and he wants us to participate in reaching people. And so the king had this dream and the dream 
was something that bothered him because he didn't understand the dream that was given to him. And so what he did is he brought in his wise men, he brought in his magicians and his fortune tellers and, and they gathered in front of the king, in front of the throne. And he said to them, I had this dream and I need an interpretation. So the wise men looked at the king and they said, hey, we're here to serve you. How can we help? And he said, well, I need you to interpret this dream. And they said, well, okay, well, well tell us the dream. Well, the king came up with this idea and said, no, I'm not going to tell you the dream. I want to see if you're real or not. And so he said, you're going to have to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And so they looked at the king and they're like, nobody can do that. Like that's impossible for us. We need to know the dream. So the king gets all infuriated about it. And so he sends out an edict to, to have all of his magicians and all of his fortune tellers executed because he was mad, which also included Daniel and his friends. And so Daniel and his friends heard about this. And so Daniel replied and said, would you give us an opportunity to go to our God and pray? And maybe God would give us the dream and then we could interpret. So they gave him time. Daniel prayed. He heard the dream. And so where we're going to pick up the story is where Daniel is telling the king about his dream. So in verse 29 of Daniel chapter two says, as your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. Verse 30 says, as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. He said, your majesty looked and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous statue, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. And the head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partially of iron and partially of baked clay. And he said, while you're watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. Let me park here in the middle of this dream interpretation and give you an, a little interpretation of what we're hearing about. And so as Daniel was sharing this with him, he is saying to him that the gold head represents Babylon of that day. And he's teaching him that all the other parts of his body are all of the other kingdoms that were to come. And then he said, and while you were watching, this rock was cut out, but not by human hands. And what Daniel was saying to him is that this was a prophetic picture of Jesus Christ, who is the rock. And we know him as the rock. We know Jesus is the cornerstone. We know that he is our firm foundation that we build our life upon. We know that, that Jesus said that the church would be built on the revelation, the rock of Jesus Christ. And so we know that Christ in this story, in this dream, is being interpreted by this rock that was cut, but not by human hands. And so the story goes on and says, while you're watching, a rock was cut out, not by human hands. We're talking about the, the rock of Christ. And it says, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. 
And the wind swept it away, leaving not a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. You see, this is a prophetic picture that says that every nation from Babylon forward must heed the voice of God. It's saying prophetically that any nation that does not serve and worship God, that it will be smashed to pieces and will not last. Now listen, I'm preaching to you prophetically for just a moment. This is still relevant for today. And if America doesn't turn to God, there is no promise that we'll have a future. Amen? Because there's only one that will last, and that is built upon the government, which is of no end through Jesus Christ. So God spoke prophetically to the king in order to give him a chance, which is what I'm doing today is I'm speaking to a church, I'm speaking to a nation, if they listen, that God has a word for us. And the word is that we would turn to God, that we would repent and we would humbly bow ourselves before the Lord and we would pray for our nation and we would say, God, would you lift this nation back up and put her on a godly foundation? And so he spoke prophetically to the king and the king heard this dream and he said, that's exactly what I dreamed. And he then promoted Daniel and he promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego because they were able to interpret the dream and know the dream. And the king was so impressed that he did that, but he still rebelled against God. And this is where we pick up in Daniel chapter three. And it says that King Nebuchadnezzar made an image or he made a statue of gold. Now just think about that. He just had heard, I mean, just day before he heard a dream about a statue. So he's rebelling against God and he says, I'll build my own statue of gold, 60 cubits high, six cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The king is making a mockery of God. He is rebelling against God. He heard the voice of God. He knew it was God. There was a dream. I mean, the, the Daniel had the dream and he interpreted it. I mean, he knew it was God, but yet he said, no, I am not going to serve your God. What he was doing was creating by building the statue and putting it in the middle of Babylon is he was creating a culture that worshiped false gods rather than the one true God. And so he created a culture, a counterfeit culture to God. And, and, he, and he's making a culture that would collide with those who worship the true God. And he went on to say in verse six, he says, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. He's like, I'll cancel you if you don't worship my statue. Now I read this story and I recognize that this is an ancient history story. True, but ancient. And my question today is if that's ancient, are there still cultures that are colliding today? Are we, we still in a culture where, where we have our biblical values and, and is our culture still pu pushing unbiblical values? Do we, do we live in, in place where 
there is a collision of what we believe. Values that we have collide with the values of the world. And I would propose to you absolutely yes. As an example, if you are in high school or college, simply remaining sexually pure is colliding with culture today. If you're a parent and you're raising your children and you endeavor to raise them free from the pressures of Instagram and, and TikTok and, and free from this, this, this sense of comparison to others, then, then as a parent, you are colliding with culture. I, I like to play golf and I have a group of friends that I play golf with and, and they've become my friends and, and I really enjoy them and they're, they're a lot of fun very few of them have a, a, a walk with God and maybe none of them, to be honest with you. And uh, there's a part of it I really enjoy because I, I, I'm intersecting with, with people that don't know Christ instead of being just completely insulated in my world. I, I'm interacting with those that don't. And I love these guys and they're, they're amazing friends. And, and, but I find myself often colliding with the cultural norms of the day. I will hear them go on a, a string of, of lyrics that will scorch your ears at times. You know what I'm saying? Occasionally, there'll be some excessive drinking. And I'm standing right in the middle of this, this normal culture to the world. And, and honestly, it really doesn't bother me at all. But at times I find them uncomfortable when I just stand firm. I don't have to say anything but they feel it. And it's funny because they, they call me Rev. They'll say, Rev is here. The Rev is here. And, and uh, often there'll be someone new join our, our group and, and they'll head off on one of those strings of, of lyrics and, and they'll stop and they'll go, hey man, the Rev's with us. And, and then this guy's in horror, you know, all of a sudden because somehow he realizes he's offended God in some way. And, and so listen, I, I, I say that is I don't believe there is a, a place that you set your feet, that you're not going to collide with culture in some way. Whether you're in school or at work or around your family, there are a collision of cultures. Today, Hollywood and, and our government have, have been elevating non-biblical values. They've made heroes out of transgender people today. And this collides with our biblical values. And let me ask you the question, parents, how are you going to raise your children today in a culture that, that wants to tear down their God-given identity? What are you going to do with the TV shows and the Disney Channel that is pu pushing cultural norms upon your children, but you know these are not biblical values? How do we do that, parents? It's tough. Matter of fact, I believe in many ways our culture has just gone cuckoo with some of this. I think there's a confusion in culture. And, and I'll give you a little sidebar note about confusion in our culture. When you read the story of Babylon that we're talking about, the root word for Babylon is Babel. Babel means confusion. It's like, oh, I'm just talking, talking, I have no idea what I'm saying. And that's pretty much where culture is today. 
They're just saying all kinds of things that make no sense. Like it's not even logical, the things they, they believe today. If you go to Genesis chapter 11, there's a story about the Tower of Babel. And they were building this tower and God came down and confused their language. And that's where that, that word confusion came from. And I believe there's a spirit of Babel that's still alive today that's creating the confusion of how people think, the twistedness of, of, of you know, life and the twistedness of, of things that are just normal. I'll just, I'll just go just a little bit further if I can. March is, is a Women's History Month. Go girls. Woo! All the women, give it a clap. Come on, ladies. Woohoo! I love you, ladies. You're awesome. It's your month. You know, celebrate, you know, throw a party, you know, eat cake, do something. I don't know, whatever you do for Women's History Month. But listen, Women's History Month is dedicated to the contributions and the progress of women. But, but culture has lost their marbles. Listen to this. In the most recent hearing for the nomination to the Supreme Court, the nominee, her name was Judge Jackson, was asked to define the word woman. Now, this is someone that is obviously a genius or she wouldn't be nominated to be on the Supreme Court. So I, I can't knock her knowledge at all. But they said, can you define a woman? And she said, I can't. Why? Because she was afraid that culture would bully her and cancel her and she would lose her appointment. Right? You see, culture has a bully spirit to it. And when you stand for things, culture will, will push back on you. They'll give you a blow. They'll, they'll say, oh, you're a bigot. They'll say, you're unloving. They'll say, oh, the Bible is, is out of date. culture. Women's History Month. Men are currently performing on women's sports teams. Listen, women's libbers ought to be going nuts about this. Like, I don't understand that. Here we're having a month to celebrate the progress of women. They finally get their sports team some years ago, and now they're being bullied into believing that it's good to have a man on the team. Babel, spirit of Babylon. Men are pretending to be women, and they're in women's dressing rooms, changing clothes and exposing themselves. I'll give you something interesting. Women's History Month. Admiral Rachel Levine, a biological man, was a finalist in the USA Today Woman of the Year poll. <laughs> I mean, you can't make sense of some of this stuff. One more and I'll, be, I'll move along. <laughs> Leah Thomas. All right, this is a dude, a male dude, was nominated as the NCAA Woman Athlete of the Year. All right, have I made my point? 
Hey, all right, listen, some people are like, oh, pastor, please stop. Don't be political anymore. I can't take it. And I just want to say to you that that's not political. It's biblical because the Bible says in Genesis that God created them male and female. And also just for the the, the struggle that we all have with church and politics and, and, and listen, it's, it's a struggle. I get it. But the Bible has instances where the church and Christians spoke out against the government. It's in the Bible. I'll give you an example. John the Baptist, he spoke out against King Herod and he said, King Herod, you're, you're, you're married to someone that's your brother's sister. And he goes, that's a sin. He called it sin. Now he had his head cut off for it, but he stepped into a political zone and preached truth. Listen, I'll admit to you, I I really dislike conversations about culture and politics today even makes me uncomfortable at some levels. And I'm, that's just the fact about it. But as believers, And as your pastor, I have to stand firm and I have to take the word of God and say, that's the word of God. And I have to be willing to step into uncomfortable conversations and moments in life and say, I'm just going to stand on the word of God. And, and too often people have, have chosen silence and some churches have chosen silence in this. And, and I understand their heart and I actually respect their, their point of view. I think it's wrong, but I respect it. They'll say, hey, if you talk about those topics, then lost people won't come and we can't win the lost. And and I want to propose to you that that's not true. I want you to know that, that God will honor you when you stand on biblical values. And I want the church, I want Life Church to have a backbone in the middle of culture. I don't want to fight but here's what the Bible says in John 15. It says, if you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. Now, what it's saying is, is if, if, you, if you gain the values of the world, if you belong to the value system, if you, if you agreed and you, and, and you just were passive about all that and said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. What you're doing is you're in agreement with the world and the world won't have any problem with that. It'll be like, oh, cool, you're no issue. So that's what the Bible says. It goes on to say this. It says, as it is though, Jesus says, you do not belong to the world. Like you don't carry the value system of the world. He says, I've chosen you out of the world. Now he's not taking you to heaven. He's chosen, he says, I'm choosing you. I'm pulling you out of the value system of the world. As a matter of fact, I believe he has put you in the world in a location so that you can be a light to what truth is. So that when you're in school and when you're at work and when, when you are talking to your friends and you're at, at you know, Easter dinner with family and, and topics come up, you know how to stand strong on what the word says. But it goes on to say, that's why the world hates you. It says, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And so church, I'm not here to tell you that, that this is going to be the most happy, clappy way that you live your life all the time. 
There are going to be people that reject you. There are going to be people that walk away from you. It's going to happen. But I'd rather be right with God than right with people. Can I get an amen, church? So Daniel, his friends, when the statue was, was built, they were told they had to worship this, this statue. And his friends, they, they did not bow down. They, they, they were a stand-up people in a bow-down world. And we need to stand up. And when the heat is on, we have to stand up. And I want to give you four things about the heat. The heat. When the heat is on, when, when you feel pressure, you feel temptation, you feel culture trying to conform you, and, and you feel the, 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 the temptation to accept and, and be like culture, there are four things I want to share with you. Number one is when the heat is on, you need to say, I will not compromise. I just won't do it. I'm not going to compromise. And you're going to feel that pressure to conform. You're going to feel it. We all feel it. We all want to fit in in some way. And, and that pressure will, will cause us to, to compromise a little bit if we let it. For some, maybe you're here and, and you're like, um, you, you really want to fit in with your friends. You're just like, I just want to be accepted. I want to be liked. I want to go to school and, and have friends. And, and all those are good things. But if you have to do things that are outside of your biblical values to be accepted, then there's compromise in your life. And you have to say, you know what? I'm not going to go to that party. I'm not going to smoke that with you. I'm going to live different. And that's what we do. Maybe you or in a relationship and your boyfriend says, well, in order to love me, we have to sleep together. And you think, well, that would compromise what I know the word says to me about my life. And you say, no, like we don't compromise. Maybe it's a, a compromise in your integrity in order to get ahead at work. No, I will not compromise. I will not shrink back from my firmly held beliefs I will not bow down. I will stand up in this bow down world. And this is what the Bible says about Daniel's friends. It says in chapter three, verse eight through 12, it says, at this time, some of the astrologers came forward, denounced the Jews. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. And he, they said, your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, and all the, the music is being played. He says, they must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there, they said to the king, but there are these Jews who have, who you have set over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says, they pay no attention to you. They said, your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And I love that thought. They pay no attention. Listen, I want you to know that one of the best ways to stand for God when the world attacks you is to pay it no attention. Just say, you know what? I'm just going to keep standing. You're going to reject me. It's okay. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm just going to keep standing. The culture will try to bully you, but you're going to have to have a no compromise heart in you like these three young men. Next, I want you to know that when you, you don't compromise, number two, when the heat is on, I will trust God. I want you to know you can trust God, church. You can trust him. Now, the Bible doesn't promise deliverance at every moment in every way. 
It actually says there will be persecution in your life. But I want you to know when the heat is on, you can trust God through it. And here's what the Bible says about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, we don't have to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, that God we serve is able to deliver us. Can I get an amen, church? He's able to deliver us. He will deliver us from your hand. Verse 18, though, so powerful. Listen, church, he, these three young boys said to the king, he says, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What they're saying is if God delivers us here, great. If he delivers us into heaven, great. But we're not going to compromise. We're going to trust God right in the middle of the fire. There's a story in the New Testament about the Apostle Paul. And I want to read you what he says about this exact topic. And he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed of the gospel, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my life, whether I'm alive or dead. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he said, if I live, then I'll be more fruitful for the kingdom. And if I die, then I'll be with Christ. He's like, you can't touch me. He trusted God. And church, I want to tell you that you can trust God as you go through your fiery furnaces. And number three, church, when the heat is on, I want you to know that you will see God in the middle of it. He'll be there with you. Oftentimes in our most difficult moments is when we most clearly see God with us. When we're in the deepest struggles of our life, we find the courage, we find the, the hope that comes. So whatever you're going through, church, whether it's persecution or pressures, whatever your, your problems are, I want you to know that God is with you through it all. And this is what it says in, in Daniel 24, or 324. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar, he leaped to his feet in amazement and he asked his advisors, he said, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in that fire? And they replied, certainly your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. I want you to know, church, that when you are a no compromise person and you trust God, he'll be right there with you through it all. You can count on him. Amen. And the last thing, I love this. When the heat is on, culture will notice our stand. I want you to notice that the king said, look, here are four people, not three. Story goes on to tell us that in the following chapter, the king ends up turning to, to God and, and declaring him Lord. The king, I believe, got saved later. And here's the story I want to share with you about that is that culture will notice when you take a stand. Now, when you do it with love and kindness and, you know, you're not trying to pick a fight with them, you're loving people well. I had some friends that I went to college with years ago. Great group of guys. We were buddies. 
it was an ungodly culture and I was in that culture with them. I was living way outside of how I knew to live. And one Sunday afternoon, I had an encounter with God. And there was a moment that I'm like, well, I've got to change. And so I actually just walked out of my apartment and I said to my buddies, they were watching NFL. And I said, guys, I'm out of here. I got to go home. And they're like, when are you coming back? I said, I'm not. I have to make a change. And, and they didn't understand, which is fine. I, I probably could have handled that a little better, but I knew I had to get out of that culture to get in something better. I went home to my family and I began to get my life back on track. And, and they would call me from time to time. They're like, hey, Tim, come back to Boone. Come party with us. We miss you, man. And I would have to say, well, I can't do that now. Like there's been a change in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something different now. And, and they would call, they were great. And, and we stayed in touch. And now 30 something years later, one evening I was sitting at the house with, with Harriet and my phone rings and it's one of my old buddies from college. And he goes, Tim, I'm going through some things and I didn't know who to call. He said, but I think you might have the answers I need. He said, can I come see you? I said, sure. It's funny because he, he brought his wife. We sat down at, the, at lunch one day and he said to her, pay attention to him. He knows what he's talking about. Now listen, he had no idea what I was going to say to him. He shared his heart and I ended up sharing the gospel with him. And I just love it though, because the enemy would want you to think that by standing on biblical values, you're going to push everybody away. But I want to tell you that if when you stand on your biblical values, you're showing an alternative to the culture. And when people's lives fall apart, they start looking for those people that are on that solid rock of foundation, right? And so I want to encourage you, stand, do it kindly, stand and watch God work in your life and help you change the world. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, that you are helping build within us spiritual strength so that we may stand in difficult times. When the world is headed in a different direction, we can stand in our biblical beliefs. God, we know that we are part of the world or we're in the world, but we're just not of the world, God. And so Lord, would you just give us strength and help us to walk this out in a way that in due season, those people who watched us stand will return and say, I believe you have answers. And so God, do your work, build in us, help us reach the lost in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Amen church. Amen, church. God bless you. Have a great day.